What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of What Are You Talking About? It's our second episode. Our website is live. I'm pretty stoked to be talking again with my older brother, Chris. Chris, did you catch that Golden State Warrior Atlanta Hawk game on Friday? I did not because ESPN saw fit not to televise it <laughs> and show the Clippers and Raptors. I was not very happy about that. Well, Canada was happy as on national television. Yeah, I'm sure, but I don't care about that. <laughs> I wanted to see that game. Yeah. Though I, I shouldn't complain too much because um, I was covering a high school basketball game anyway, so I couldn't watch it, but I wanted to tape it and catch a little bit of it later. Definitely. But, well, were you able to watch any of it? Yeah. I was able to watch none of it. Oh, none man. It. You missed a game, let me tell you. I heard it was 124-116. The Hawks won. That kind of surprised me because I thought the Warriors would win. Yeah, it definitely surprised me as well. Uh, I thought it was a good game. They they traded baskets back and forth. A lot of talented players were on the court at all times. Uh, you know, Kyle Korver is like the gem of the NBA right now. I was really happy to be able to watch him shoot some threes. He is lights out from beyond the arc, to say the least. Um, yeah, I was yeah, this in, I was year in, he's having okay. he's having a good year this year. Yeah, definitely. I was impressed with both sides. Really, they were both really talented. Uh, is there a side that that you like more? I, well, I still like the Warriors more than the Hawks. I'm I'm not sold on the Hawks to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, just looking at the makeup of the Hawks, I see a lot of guys who have always kind of been role players, and I feel like come playoff time, that's going to shine, and. I think outside of Al Horford, the Hawks have a bunch of really good guys that I don't think is enough to get them to the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. But the Warriors, I think, are very deep. They have Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, arguably the best guard combination in the NBA. But a guy who's not getting enough publicity is Draymond Green, who uh, 11.4 points, 8.3 rebounds, one and a half blocks about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people don't realize that the Warriors are sixth in the NBA in rebounding in addition to leading the league in points and leading the league in assists. So they definitely have a lot going for them yeah. beyond just those two. Uh, Space has played well for them. They've got Andrew Bogut, who's averaging like 1.8 blocks, almost two blocks a game, and another eight, eight rebounds. Um, and then uh, Andre Iguodala, who's a solid defender, savvy veteran, uh, Harrison Barnes, who's a young guy, who's not blowing up the stat sheet like people thought out of college, but he's still a solid guy for them. Mm-hmm. I think they've got a lot. I think they have a team capable of winning the NBA title, to be perfectly honest with you. I think they could win it all. But honestly, I also don't think that they're going to uh, go very far in the playoffs either. Wow. That's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, Draymond Green is able to to start now. He's he's relegated David Lee to the bench, so that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. A guy that averaged 18 points last year. Andre Iguodala is off, also coming off the bench, and he comes off with mm-hmm. no spates. That's a really good starting second unit. I read a stat yeah. that their second unit, if they were, if their stats projected out for a full, for a full length game, they would outscore over half of the league. They're wow. they're that good. So, yeah, I think they definitely have the depth. They have the depth to, to combat some injuries because Steph Curry, Andrew Bogut, Iguodala, David Lee, all four of those guys really have some injury history. 
one of them's going to be banged up by the time the playoffs come around. But this year they have some depth to combat that, and I think they're going to be pretty successful. I also want to say that I, I think the debate is over that that is the best backcourt in the league. I can't think of another backcourt that's better than the Swash Brothers. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, well, first off, uh, remember in the offseason, everyone wanted them to trade Clay Thompson for Kevin Love, myself included. Yeah. Um, I bet they're glad they didn't make that deal. Definitely. Um, but the only other backcourt that popped into my mind instantly when you asked me that was Washington's. I think John Wall and Bradley Beal are very underrated. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that backcourt, but I don't think it's anywhere close to Golden State's. I'm sure there are others that I'm overlooking, so... You know, don't burn me too bad if there's a there's one out there. But <laughs> really, to tell none you the come truth, to mind, I, man. None come to mind that's better right. than that. Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, I I I definitely think that. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I can't think of anything. And the, the, like I said, the one that just popped into my head was Wall and Beal, um, yeah. because I think Washington is a is a very good team. But uh, more on them, uh, that could be for another another time. Yeah. But. Yeah, the Warriors. The Warriors are loaded. I, I think they have two two stars and a lot of really good players. Yeah, and I think that they they've got they've got a good chance. Good chance, but not good enough, according to you. Yeah, I, I don't think they will. I, I because l- let me just rattle down the Western Conference: Golden State, Memphis, Houston, Portland, Dallas. Golden State's going to have to play Houston, Portland, or Dallas in the second round. The way it's shaken out. And then in the first round, they could draw the Clippers, San Antonio, Phoenix, or Oklahoma City. Yeah, it's a gauntlet. The West is a gauntlet. Yeah, it's, a, I mean, it's a total, it's totally up in the air, one through like eight. The, the last few years, it's been, it's better to pick the field instead of one team. Like, if you're betting with someone, you give that person one team and take the other seven. Because Absolutely. I think that as many as six teams could come out of the West, and if San Antonio and Oklahoma City get to full strength, I mean, that's it. Uh, one through eight team. I mean, the the Golden State Warriors could legitimately play the defending NBA champions and two-time defending Western Conference champions in the first round as a one-eight matchup. How mad would you be if you had to do that? You worked so hard to get the one seed, and you see the San Antonio Spurs, who get healthy, like say they get healthy for the playoffs right. and are at full strength, and they're only the eight seed because they're the Spurs and they coasted. I mean, how mad would you be? Yeah. I would be pretty, pretty mad. And let's not forget the Dallas Mavericks took the Spurs to seven games last year yep. in the NBA playoffs. They gave them the best series. So I, I honestly don't think the Warriors will make it to the conference finals. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I I've definitely believe you too. Um, but yeah. I, I, think, uh, I think the Hawks are a little more real than the Warriors just because you know, maybe talent-wise, if, if they played a seven-game series themselves, the Warriors would win. But just because they have to go through that Western Conference gauntlet, I'm I'm believing in the in the Hawks more, and I think uh, Atlanta is the Spurs of this year. They're a complete team. Uh, well, Blazemore is a is a Greg Popovich disciple. He he came from the Spurs after they lost to the Heat in the comp, in the NBA championship. So the, he's bringing that kind of Spurs mentality to them to all be selfless. They share the ball. They play really smart aggressive basketball um the starters they all average double digit points the top scorer on the team is jeff teague at 17 paul Millsap also averages 17 points and then draymond green is is uh their fifth starter their small forward he averages 11 points and al horford and kyle corver are in the are in the middle there 
So there's just balance all all throughout. Uh, the Hawks have three guys that have are in the top 50 in player efficiency rating: uh, Jeff Teague, Al Horford, and Paul Millsap, all of which are NBA All Stars. I think uh, I think Jeff Teague is is a budding star, and if he wasn't playing point guard, he'd be getting a lot of attention. But unfortunately, everybody has a star point guard. But I think Teague is is a guy that can can take the ball and he can he can own a team. And that's what you need in the playoffs. You need one guy that can carry you, and I think he can carry them. And then you have two big men that are really good mid-range jump shooters. It's going to be hard, and and the East is so easy until you get to that Eastern Conference Finals, or maybe you have you draw a matchup in the Eastern Conference Semis where it's going to be a challenging matchup. But I think I think the Hawks are right there, and I think they're the favorite to to win the East right now, just because they're such a good team altogether. I look at all the other favorites in the East, and they all have flaws. And the Hawks, their only flaw is not having a superstar, but that's not a bad thing in, in, in the system that they have there. I'm going to stop right there. That is the biggest flaw is not having a superstar because I am not sold on the Hawks. And I, I understand what you're saying. They play in the East, and I think that's the only thing they have going for them is that they play in the East. Yeah. Not to discount what they can do, but Jeff Teague is a solid point guard. He's definitely having a breakout season, kind of like Kyle Lowry did last year. Like Kyle Lowry had been in the league for a bit and then kind of stepped up. And Jeff Teague has been in this league longer than people think, and he's stepping up this year. Yeah. But I don't see anyone on their team outside of Al Horford who is a guy that I'm really, really scared of in a best-of-seven series. I think Atlanta is a product of a Eastern Conference that hasn't been this week since 2007, and the fact that Cleveland struggled so badly to start off. I don't think anyone saw Cleveland struggling the way they did, and I still think Cleveland is the overwhelming favorite to win the Eastern Conference, especially with the way that they are playing right now after they've made some adjustments, they got rid of Deion Waiters, they brought in some more complimentary parts, and Kevin Love is starting to turn things around there. Cleveland, I think, is over... I don't care if there's a five next to their team name. I think Cleveland is the team to beat in the East, and I think there's a significant drop-off between the rest of the conference. I think it comes... Atlanta... It comes down to those two guys for sure. Uh, those two teams, excuse me. But I... And... Go ahead. Well, I've also been getting into a debate with a buddy of mine. I actually think the Washington Wizards are a team that come playoff time are really going to step up because yeah. I think that they've got they've got Wall, they've got Beal, they've got Pierce, and they've got a solid post. I think they're going to step up in the playoffs. I'm not sold on Atlanta. I just think Atlanta is this same old team that has a bunch of really good role players they play like the Spurs, but they don't have the stars that the Spurs have. They don't have Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker. I'm not sold on them. I, I, I know they're going to be the one seed, but being the one seed only matters if you can get to a Game 7. Yeah. And I think the Hawks in the playoffs are very beatable until they prove it otherwise. They, they, they've, I don't see them any different from how they've been the last 
since 2008 when they broke out and almost beat Boston. Well, I, th- I don't I, see I think, them that I think a new coach, uh, Jeff Teague, was, was was really young at that point. Paul Millsap, uh, probably one of the best free agent signings in the past five years uh, and definitely an underrated power forward. I think I think that that big man duo of Horford and Millsap is going to give a lot of teams trouble. Uh, even even the Cavs, you know, they have Mozgov, who's who's a bruiser and a good defensive center. But is Kevin Love going to stop Paul Millsap? I don't I don't think so. Yeah, okay, you throw LeBron on him, but then you have the perimeter wide open with Kyle Korver. I don't know. They give team they will give every team problems and trouble, and they have a guy who's definitely going to be coach of the year coaching them. I think they're definitely going to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then it's just going to be it's going to be a matchup with them and Cleveland. Like you said, Wizards might be there, but I think it's going to be them and Cleveland. Uh, I don't know. They they're they're a team, and I love seeing team basketball. And I maybe it's just me being an optimist, but I hope they come through, man. I'm about to drop my bold prediction on you. Okay. Golden State and Atlanta are both number one in their respective conferences. I don't see them either of them getting out of the second round. Wow. Second round. So I think both both will lose before the conference finals. Wow. All right. Well, that's the prediction, and you're on air, so I'm gonna hold you to it when that happens, man. Oh, don't worry. You're not the only one holding me to it. I <laughs> put it out there on Facebook, and my buddy at work will never let it down because he talks up the Hawks every day, and so I, I've stuck my neck out there, but. I'm I'm I'm, saying, I'm going to take the field in the West, and I'm going to take the fact that the Hawks every year come playoff time, just don't have enough to win in the playoffs. I think of all the sports, the NBA playoffs are the most different from the regular season, as in, it's it's it really is a completely different animal. Yeah, absolutely. As opposed to regular season play. And and I think you see it every year, these teams that look really good and play really good team, either defense or offense or whatever it is. They're a good team. But then in the playoffs, the team that has LeBron James wins. The last four years yeah. it's been the Bulls or the Pacers. I mean, there have been countless other examples. The Cavs had it back in the 90s. They ran into Jordan. And my boss compares the Atlanta Hawks to those Cavs teams. A bunch of really good players, but... In the playoffs, they just run into that buzzsaw. And I see the Hawks just another version of that team that looks really good in the regular season. They have really good players. But come playoff time, when it's a best-of-seven series, when your depth doesn't matter, when superstars start averaging 40 minutes a game, they don't have anyone who can match up. I think Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Kevin Love, I think that combination with the role players they have is the over. If Cleveland doesn't win the Eastern Conference, I think it's a tremendous disappointment. It, and, and I'm saying this as a Cleveland fan. The Cleveland Cavaliers should win the Eastern Conference in a landslide unless LeBron gets hurt. I mean, I, can't, I, I really I can't, think the Cavs uh, should be History goes with you, for sure. I can't argue against that. Um, but the fun thing is we're going to see in a couple of months oh, if of it comes through. And, you know, if the Hawks went out, they'll be the next Spurs which were, and the next Detroit Pistons from the early 2000s. Uh, you know, it, it's been done, but it hasn't been done a lot. And I'm kind of hoping that it is done. 
because I like that basketball. I love watching a team play and not just a couple guys. Well, well, deep down, you hope I'm right about Cleveland. Come on. Yeah, well, that'll be, You're a that'd, Cleveland be, fan. that'd be nice too, for sure. <laughs> I hope I hope it's Atlanta that they beat in the Eastern Conference Finals. How about that? We'll see. I actually really want Cleveland and Washington to play at some point because um, that's a really good rivalry, or at least it was, and I think it has a chance to be a really good one again because now Irving and Wall, there's a big debate about them now too, and I think it would be fun. That'd be cool. But um, we've been talking a lot about East first West, uh, just with the road Golden State has to go through versus the road Atlanta or Cleveland or whoever in the East has to go through. And when you look at the standings, it's really not the same. Yeah. And there's a proposal out there to um, shake it up a little bit and take the six division winners, but then take the next ten teams, regardless of conference affiliation, yeah. and... What are your thoughts on that? Do you think they should mix up the East and West and not not truly mix it up, but take 10 teams by record and not by conference? Well, my first thought is that's absolutely never going to happen just because what Eastern Conference owner is going to vote for that? You're basically voting right. yourself out of the playoffs. Uh, maybe there was a time when the owners were selfless and they would do it, but not not in this day and age when you make so much money in playoff revenue no no eastern conference team is going to vote for it but would i like to see it as a fan absolutely uh you know we say it's cyclical but since i've been a fan of the nba the west has dominated and you look even back to when i was a kid in the 90s yeah the bulls dominated the championships but the west had all the good teams you know the bulls were the number 1 but Every other good team was in the West. It's been like this for a really long time. They need, they do need to shake it up somehow, but the the Eastern Conference owners just aren't aren't gonna let it be shaken up because they're gonna lose their money. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I agree with you one hundred percent because no matter how you shake it, if the Western Conference is the weak conference, you have fifteen votes against it, and if the Eastern Conference is the weaker conference, you have. 15 votes against it, which is exactly half the league. So I agree with you. There's too much greed to essentially vote yourself out of the playoffs. Um, and I do agree with you that, that since we started becoming sports fans in the mid to late 90s, that's when the tide turned from east to west. So I don't think you and I remember the days where the east had really strong teams like the Sixers yeah. and the Celtics of the 80s and the Bad Boy Pistons. There was a time when the east was the the big conference yeah and i do think it is cyclical and i do think the cycles last a very long time this cycle's lasting a pretty long time because i i don't think in the 90s it was like the west was dominant i think the tide was changing and by the early 2000s the west was dominant yeah i mean but so it's been when, about when jordan took his break years. when jordan took his break the the rockets won two in a row you know it's right it's like as soon as he was gone the west dominated some more right and i i think that was the turning point i think it started turning around those mid 90s but but anyway uh, do i like the idea i'm torn on it because the idea kills the conference championships and from a branding standpoint it's a thousand times better to call a series the conference championships than a semifinal yeah i mean a semifinal sounds like oh it's not that important but a conference championship sounds like, oh, wow, we're playing for something. And from a branding standpoint, they definitely lose that. 
I wouldn't be opposed to it if they somehow changed the schedule because I don't think you can have, as of right now, each team plays 24 different games mm-hmm. with the way it's weighted towards conference play. Say, hypothetically speaking, they shrunk the season to 66 games, played your normal 16-game division schedule, and then played everybody a home-and-home. Home. Yeah. Under that format, there are only eight different games. Then I'd be in favor of it because you don't have these weighted schedules where, okay, the Eastern Conference teams are playing each other more. Why are they losing out to Western Conference teams that they don't play as much? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's true. So I think they would have to solve that problem, and they're never going to cut games out of the season unless they really have to, as in the league's losing money. Yeah. But I, I just think that they need to solve that problem before they open it up to 10 teams, regardless of conference affiliation. Um, and I also think, ultimately, I kind of like the idea that there's an Eastern champion and a Western champion, and it get, and, and like you square off in the finals. I don't know. I guess I'm a little more traditionalist in that, uh, more of a traditionalist in that way. Um, but I kind of like it the way it is. I don't think it's the end of the world, because if it were in effect today, right now, the only two teams out of the playoffs are Charlotte and Miami, and yeah. New Orleans and Oklahoma City are in. And while Oklahoma City by name looks like a tough out, they have not been healthy all year. And New Orleans may have just lost Anthony Davis. So, uh, I don't yeah, know. I mean, he's he's going to be back soon. But, right. um, I don't know. It, it would but, be nice to see those two teams in there other rather than uh, Miami and uh, the Hornets, right. for sure. I mean, I love Anthony Davis and what he's doing now, but... Yeah, I, it, it's it's fun to toy around, but I, I don't see – it's like moving mountains to get it to happen. Uh, the right. details that you talked about plus the owners just approving it, I, you know, this is the this is what we got, and I don't think right. it's going away. <laughs> so we, And at the end of the day, we are talking about, I think, at the most four teams here. Like, do you really see a scenario where one conference only sends five teams? Right. Like, and it's that weighted. Like, do you really think one conference is going to send 11 or 12 teams? I don't see it that bad. Like, we're talking about teams that are going to be seven and eight seeds or maybe six seeds at best. Let's not cry too hard over them because most of them are first-round fodder, even if they play in the West. Yeah, for sure. So, but anyway, um, yeah, you talked about uh, point guards a little bit, Jeff Teague, earlier. And I'm curious, it got me thinking, who do you think – are the five best point guards in the NBA? Uh, yeah. Well, I took my list. Uh, I'm thinking about this year. Like, who, what point guards do I want on my team for this season? There are a couple of guys that, uh, if you make your top five list, probably get on because of their record. Like, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't have Chris Paul on my record, but I would definitely consider him a a, a candidate for being a top five point guard year in year out. Um, so my list goes like something like Steph Curry, who is probably in the running for MVP. He's the most efficient point guard out there. Uh, he's he's lights out, 23 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds. Uh, he, he's, he's Every year he's getting better and better, but uh, this year he's, he's reached finally reached superstar status for sure. Uh, then I got Russell Westbrook who is having an insane year 25 9 and 7 are his stats respectively uh 
um, I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me, 25, seven and six. Uh, yeah, he, since he came back from the injury, he's just been on a tear. He's probably the best attacking point guard in the league. Uh, next to that is John Wall, who's a, leading the league in assists, which is really impressive. He's averaging more than 10 assists a game. And when we're talking point guards, assists matter. Uh, fourth, I have Kyrie Irving because I think he's the best offensive point guard in the game right now in terms of three-point shooting, driving to the basket, and finishing. He may, not be, he may not be the best at any of those individually, but he has he's in the top three in all of those categories. So I think uh, he definitely belongs on there. And then my fifth one, you could I mean, point guards, man, there are a ton of them. You could go any way with it. But my fifth one is a guy who never gets any love is Mike Conley Jr. Wow. Hey. <laughs> I knew that would probably surprise you. Wow. He just, he deserves some love. He never gets any credit for anything. He's on the second best team in the West. He's leading that team. Uh, he had a terrific night the other night. Uh, he's, he's averaging 17 points and, uh, yeah, 17 points and five assists. I, I don't know. He, he plays really great defense. Memphis just doesn't get enough credit and Mike Conley doesn't get enough credit. I think he, he deserves to be in the conversation, and I, I would rather have him in this list than Chris Paul for another year, you know? Wow, hey, that's a bold pick. I, I wrote a list of eight point guards down, and I picked five of them, and Mike Conley was not on that list. I, wow. that, that was a curveball there, bro. I didn't see that one coming. You picked Conley over Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Kyle Lowry, and your boy Jeff Teague. Yeah, I, I think I would... If I were building a team, I would rather have him than any of those guys because he's a better defender than them all. All right. Well, you did talk about four of the five on my list, so I'll go through it a little quicker. I have Curry number one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris Paul, for me, is number two. I guess it's more of a lifetime achievement award. I know he's not been as Chris Paulish, if that's even a word, (laughs) this year, but I still think he's one of the best players in the NBA, and and I, I would give him his due. Uh, then I have Wall at three, Irving at four, and Westbrook at five. Lillard, Lowry, and Teague were my bubble players. Um, and Damian Lillard almost uh, was a tremendous snub on the All-Star game. Uh, you never want to say fortunately, but because uh, Blake, or Blake Griffin got hurt, right. uh, Lillard will, will play out for the Western Conference All-Stars. Uh, do you have any other snubs? Anyone else you think... Uh, deserve to uh you know be on the team especially out west because the west is loaded well we're out west and we're talking about a guy who doesn't get any love mike conley man i think i think he deserves to be in the all-star game for sure wow you know marcus all is in by virtue of being a center it, right you know it's he's not even getting rewarded for being on a great team he's just a center so he gets in the the the, the grizzlies are, are the second are the third have the third best record in the league you know, why is there only one guy on there, you know? Yeah, but it's tough. I mean, you can't give every team multiple guys. Um, yeah. And the West is so tough to get in. I yeah. mean, you look at everything, and, I mean, even with Damian Lillard off the team, they had, what, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. I mean, you can argue Kobe Bryant, but he was voted in, and, and you can't yeah. take the vote away from the fans. I'm an advocate of not doing that. I think the fans should decide the starters, even if they vote some guys who might not deserve to be in there. Whatever, it's no big deal. 
Um, mm-hmm. So you can't get all up in arms over Bryant or even Carmelo Anthony getting in. They were voted in, and it's in New York. Um, but for me, um, if we're going to the East, I don't like it when teams get a lot of guys in the All-Star game just because they have a good record. Um, sure. I thought the Hawks, Teague and Horford deserved to be in. You could argue Paul Millsap. I'm not saying he wasn't worthy, but Andre Drummond is averaging 12.8 points, 13 rebounds, 13 rebounds, yeah, and 1.8, almost two blocks a game, all three better than Millsap. I certainly think that he should have gotten Paul Millsap's slot in the All-Star game. You can argue Dwayne Wade, but Dwayne Wade's actually having a better statistical year than I thought. I looked it up, and he's actually been pretty solid and, and, and certainly worthy. But and, and I'm not saying Millsap's not having a good season. I just think Drummond is having a better season. And excuse me, his points are not better than Paul Millsap. You just told me uh, yeah, Paul, earlier that he was averaging yeah, he, more. He's got 17 points a game, so he's got to beat right. there. Uh, yeah, I, My, I would probably have rather seen Drummond than Millsap, but... Right. Uh, the Hawks deserve deserve who they got in there for sure. Um, you want to know why I said that Drummond had more points than Paul Millsaps? What's that? Because my handwriting's so bad, my six looks like a one, so <laughs> his sixteen point nine looks like eleven point nine. <laughs> That's why. So for those of you out there, my handwriting is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> so apologies a, to Paul Millsap. You are scoring more points than Andre Drummond. <laughs> <laughs> um. But anyway, I mean, like I said, the Hawks had three guys. Certainly, I mean, you had the best record in the or most wins in the league, forty-two to forty, Golden State. Um, but I don't know. I think two was enough, and give some love to Andre Drummond. But again, it's not. It's tough. I mean, you got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's an NBA roster, so it's it's naturally just going to be small. But I'm not. Right. I'm not like upset about any of the guys getting left off i'm upset that kobe got voted in but other than that uh, yeah but that's gonna happen every year yeah there's always gonna be a guy who makes it based on his name for sure it's called the all-star game yeah so but what are you gonna do yeah so did you did you pay attention to national signing day football wise i, I think national signing day is a, a lot overblown for sure to tell you the truth i think it's fun but I think it's extremely overblown. Uh, the, 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 the thing I don't like about National Signing Day is every year, and I don't think there was one this year, every year there's a guy who fakes his signing day thing. He's like says, I'm going to Cal, and then he never got a letter from Cal or something like that. And right. like, it's like, why, why do you need to do this? Like, I don't, I don't understand why it's... I, I'm not saying, you know, don't have fun, don't have your moment if you've earned it, but... I, I, I don't know. It's just, it, it just creates a lot of hype about kids who, I mean, who knows what they're going to be, what they're going to turn out to be in college. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yeah, it's more of a crapshoot than the, uh, than the draft, to tell you the truth, the, in, in pro sports. Yeah, I agree. I mean, on the individual level, for a kid going through National Signing Day, I think it's a terrible thing. It just inflates that yeah. ego so much before you've really done anything with your life. Uh, mm-hmm. you have a full ride to, to college that's great congratulations but uh, you know ESPN broadcasting it all day long it's just it it's not a good start to their college life <laughs> and I think it's it's playing a large part into why so many of these guys have so many problems outside of football uh, that being said um, 
the rank the recruiting rankings at the end of national signing day serve as a really good barometer as to where these teams are going to be in two or three years uh, a first cl- a five-star recruit uh, the odds are against him to be a superstar for sure uh, just because you you have no idea what's going to happen but for a team like Alabama who has finished in the number one for the last four years and this year they have six five-star recruits which depending on your uh, third-party rankings business it's either it's usually a five-star recruit is the top 50 players in the country so they have six of the top 50 players in the country basically uh you know one of those guys is going to pan out and even if some of them are busts what level of busts are they going to be you know for for a school it's you know where they're going to be i'm not saying bama is going to win the national title in three years because of this recruiting class but they're going to be in the top 10 for sure because the 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 general wealth of talent is too talented for all of them to flame out and be busts does that make sense no it, it definitely makes sense i agree and, and i do think there is a, a a solid correlation between finishing high in recruiting and you know contending uh but you know i mean there are always outliers there are always teams like i, I believe three years ago everyone was hailing michigan's recruiting class and yeah. It hasn't worked out for them as well. But, you know, I, I do believe, by and large, those are more the exceptions to the rule. Um, I'm looking at the rankings right now. A lot of SEC teams in the top ten, Ohio State number six. Right. Tennessee number five. They're a team that hasn't been very strong of late, so that'll yeah. be one to kind of circle and see if this turns them around. For sure. They had, actually, Butch Jones his first year, or second year, last year, um, had the number seven ranked recruiting mm-hmm. class. And then in the 2014 season using that seventh ranked recruiting class, he started 11 freshmen and he played wow. 24 freshmen in the season. Wow. And now he has a top five recruiting class to complement that sophomore class that has tons of experience. So I think that's definitely a story that, that happened on national signing day that is going to indicate a power shift in, in the sec for sure. I think uh, maybe next year, as soon as next year, definitely in two years, they're going to be, the the cream of the sec east and they could give a bama run for their money because a lot of bama's recruits don't see the field until they get redshirted and and they Mm -hmm. wait a couple years because every recruiting class is so talented so yeah i think tennessee is is, was definitely a headline um it'll be interesting to see if that if that school pans out Well, before they give Bama a run for their money, they got to give your Georgia Bulldogs a run for their money, and they're, they're in the advantage of playing in what I think we both can agree is the weaker SEC division, the SEC East. For sure. So uh, it'll definitely be interesting to watch, but uh, you got to be shaking a little bit. You don't want you don't want someone challenging your Bulldogs. <laughs> well, I mean, they did come away with the, according to composite rankings, the number one recruit in the country. So I'm not I'm not shaking too much. They. They always recruit well just by virtue of being in Georgia, which is a hotbed for recruits. And then they're right on top of Florida, which is the Mecca Mm -hmm. for recruits. So yeah, they never do, they never do bad. So I'm not too worried. I mean, it'll be nice. And I think Mark Richt is an underrated coach. What's that? I think Mark Richt is an underrated coach. For sure. Uh, Well, I mean, he's been playing second fiddle to the guys that have won right all the championships so i guess he's rightfully underrated right but yeah uh, another storyline from national signing day was the return of the west coast 
uh, USC and UCLA had big days. They stole a lot of guys from the South. Um, USC is only two years removed from just having 15 scholarships to give. So, and this is Steve Sarkeesian's first full calendar year as the USC head coach, and he cleaned up. And I think USC is going to be back soon because he, he a lot of a couple of rankings had USC as the number one recruiting class this year. They gave Alabama a run for their money. Uh, yeah, it's a return of the power. I think that's a good thing for college football to have LA battling UCLA and USC. They're battling for position, the, the cream of LA. And then they're going to challenge Oregon and Arizona for the top of the Pac-12. So now we have more than just the SEC. We have a power conference being built out west. I think that's good for college football. Yeah, and also what's good is, uh, you know, I see Penn State in the, in the rankings. Uh, I see Ohio State up there. Other than that, though, not too many Big Ten teams, which is a little disappointing. Um, yeah. I think Michigan State was 29th in the ranking. I'm looking at ESPN's rankings. so. Okay. But you know, I, I hope I hope the, the the Pac-12 can get some momentum and the Big Ten can build off of their bowl momentum yeah. and kind of challenge the SEC a little bit and make college football a little more nationwide instead of just focused in on the South there because uh, For sure. you know I'm sure everyone down south loves it but uh, and I would too if it were the Big Ten but uh, you know it's always uh, when you get more fans involved it uh, it can be a little more a little better yeah definitely. I think another another thing to look at is there's no Texas team in the top 10, which is uh, kind of a shame because Texas is another hotbed for, for high school right. recruits. It's a massive state that loves football. Yeah. Um, they weren't able – a team wasn't able to rise up. You know, Texas wasn't able to beat out Texas A&M or Baylor. They all kind of mm-hmm. battled each other. And then Oklahoma and Alabama are there on the border, and they poached a lot of talent. Uh, I, th- I think that's kind of a that's kind of bad for the for the Big Twelve, Oklahoma, and, Texas. That none of them are in the top ten. It doesn't bode well for their conference. And, and just to clarify for our listeners, uh, obviously there are a lot of different rankings out there. Um, the ESPN rankings does have Texas at nine, but I'm pretty sure you said you were looking at more composite rankings. Yeah, I use the twenty four seven Sports, which uses a composite of the of rivals and ESPN and. Uh, gotcha. a couple of others so yeah so he's yeah. looking at so ju- just to clarify i mean he's looking at stuff that because everyone's going to rank recruits differently and For all sure. that stuff so it's it's a little more accurate i think yeah still i think it's but, a, it's kind of it's not good for 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 the big 12 and for texas teams in general no. you know this charlie strong's been there for two years now this should have been his his arrival recruiting class like the one that that's going to turn heads but we, we didn't really see that. We didn't see a big-name recruit go there, uh, and they, they didn't finish in the composite top ten. No, definitely not. Um, but we'll see. I mean, don't mess with Texas. We're gonna, we don't <laughs> want to mess with Texas For on sure. our second podcast. So. Oh, my, my last but, thing, and this is quick, it, it's kind of funny because Florida fired Will Muschamp. They paid him $6 million to leave. Uh, Auburn recruits him, pays him a huge contract to be just a defensive coordinator. And then on National Signing Day, tons of recruits, not tons, like three or four, but big-name recruits, including the number one-ranked recruit, Byron Cowart, who was leaning Florida. All of them decided to go to Auburn all of a sudden. So Florida hated Will Muschamp so much, 
that they paid him six million dollars and gave him a bunch of highly touted recruits to poach from them <laughs> it's just how do they not have a no hire clause that you can't go to another sec school or something for a year yeah that's 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 dropping the ball big time definitely but i can't complain i'm I'm not the biggest florida fan in the world yeah it's definitely so. comical i don't I don't care for them too yeah. much either. It's the price of yeah. firing a college football coach, though. You have give them a lot of money, and and you, you give up a lot of recruiting, and it hurts you for multiple years. Mm-hmm. Well, we are. It looks like we're we're getting low on time, so we should get to some uh, quick hits. Uh, you got anything you want to talk about? I do. I I, I think it's kind of comical that uh, Jerry Rice uh, came out and was so critical of the Patriots, and then it. Uh, was yeah. just revealed that he used Stickum during his playing career. I'm pretty sure that gets you a pretty solid grip on the football, Jerry. So if yeah. you're going to make a big scene about the Patriots doing something, don't don't come out and do it yourself. Come on, man. What were you thinking? Yeah, I don't I don't know why he would come out now and say that, but I, it's whatever. I, 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 everybody knew they used Stickum. Like, I, I thought that was common knowledge. And if they don't use Stickum these days, they have – state-of-the-art gloves that are so they're so scientific and they're so sticky themselves that they don't need stick them you know it's right it's not like bare skin catching the pigskin anymore there's definitely some some tools being used to help you catch the ball so yeah i don't it's not much of news jerry rice being stupid really Well, it's hypocritical because I mean he's he he really came out and said that the patriots their all their titles were tainted and what they did isn't that much worse than what he's being accused of doing. For sure. I think it's on the same level. Yeah. But what did you think anyway. of Chris Paul calling out the female ref the other day against the Cavs? I I just think it was a superstar calling out a ref, and I think it got into a, a big deal because it, it was a female ref. Um, I didn't read too much into it. I mean, he got a technical, and he was mad about it. And, you know, I... I I think it was a bigger deal because it was a female official, but um, yeah, I don't I don't think he was you know attacking attacking the official because she was female. I think he was just attacking the official because he got a technical. Yeah, I don't think he's he's sexist per se, but yeah. what he said definitely came off as being sexist. And so he, I mean, yeah, if you're gonna have female refs and now you have female assistant coaches, uh, these guys have to to watch what they say because it's, right. it's a different no, and, group and, of people and i definitely agree with that i'm sorry i'm sorry for talking over you there but i definitely agree with that I, I think he should have probably chose his words a little more carefully but at the same time uh you know these guys when they get texts they generally aren't happy about it and so yeah right after the game i could understand why he was wasn't thinking about his words too carefully yeah the clippers whine too much in general this year they're not playing fun <laughs> basketball uh, all right, last topic. Uh, Tiger Woods missed another cut. He withdrew. Uh, what are your thoughts? Is he ever going to come back? I honestly don't think he's going to win another major. Yeah, me neither. Uh, it's kind of a shame, but he's got 14. He's 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 doing all right. Yeah, but everyone wanted to watch him chase down the greats and, and win a couple more. It's, it's sad that he's not even going to come close to winning another okay. one. And it's sad that it's been so long since he's won one. Uh, yeah. I think it's been 2008. So, oh, yeah, before we wrap up, Charles Haley, uh, that was the guy who uh, won five Super Bowl rings, 
three with the Cowboys, two with the 49ers. He will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2015. So apologies for not remembering your name last podcast. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, man, it's uh, round two in the books. And, uh, sure. you know, another good time. Covered a lot of ground. We'll uh, be back next week. And uh, if you're listening, thank you. Please come back. And uh, remember, FenleyRoadSports.com. Uh, yeah, the website you know, is up. Yeah, keep following us. And uh, thank you for your support. And we'll, we'll be back next week. All right. See you, Chris. All right, man. Take it easy.